everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Language of Spirit show. I'm your host, Andrew Fritz, and today we have another special guest with us. Niwa Mack founded the Boulder Psychic Institute in 2003 to build a community of other spiritual humans to hang out with and to teach in the practice clairvoyance and healing. As an ex-engineer, everything taught at the beep stems from her years of uh, systematic psychic observations that inform her methodology uh, for course creation. Her favorite thing is dark chocolate, uh, but her second favorite thing is being able to, being a lifelong student of how energy affects every experience we have. From being able to handle your shit when shit hits the fan, <laughs> to feeling more sure of yourself in every situation, the tools she teaches will tune you into who you are, where you are, and where you're heading. All right, Niwa, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm super stoked to be here. Thanks for yeah. having me. Absolutely. Pleasure to have you. Um, so I can just kind of kick it off with a question that I ask most of my guests because I, I find this very fascinating. Um, but for you, you know, when and how did you get into spirituality? I was always a spiritually inclined child. My mother is first Jap generation Japanese. And so that meant that we spent every other six months as children, we as in me and my older brother, growing up in Japan with my grandma and my aunt and all the uncles out there. And then every six months here in the U.S. And because of that upbringing and the strong Japanese Shinto and Buddhist influence, oh. my psychic abilities were very much protected out there where mm -hmm. once my grandmother and aunt figured out that I could talk to ghosts and entities, nice. they kind of fostered my gift and would ask me questions like, oh, I know you see something, what are they saying? Or, you know, oh, there's a oh, message. Wow. And so they really fostered that by being curious mm -hmm. instead of what might've happened here in the West, which is, shutting it down you have yeah. some sort of psychosis you need to be medicated right. they really fostered that and then convinced my mom my mom wasn't too into that mm. but they definitely convinced her not to shut it down while while I was here in the U.S. Nice. or to medicate me or do those things that could have possibly happened and so um yeah, I grew up in an environment where I was very fortunate or manifested it nicely for this lifetime to grow up very psychic and have a lot of support around that in the Japanese culture. And then when I was here in the U.S., I just was a very shy, introverted child who just didn't talk much because I was just told, like, just try not to tell people a lot about what's going uh, on in there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is funny because I have a four-year-old right now who's starting okay. to about his little spirit friends and I just ah. got a phone call from his teacher recently ah. <laughs> so we've had to have a little conversation about um how there's certain people that see energy and other people who don't and ah. maybe keep our conversations with our spirit friends at home you know maybe we could leave your spirit friends at home instead of taking them to school right so, right uh, I'm having similar conversations now with my <laughs> little one and so with that said, <clears throat> I grew up very psychic, seeing energy, seeing auras. And then right at around eight or nine, my parents started fighting a lot. And what I was seeing on an energetic level was not pretty. It was pretty ugly. And uh, over time, unconsciously or subconsciously, I decided to start to shut those skills down. Uh. So that right at about 11 or 12, I was only seeing little kind of what I would call clouds around people. Mm. And those clouds would change color. It was people's auras. And I could tell generally was somebody angry or sad or happy mm. through those clouds. And I maintained that ability all the way through adulthood. But all the other things I was seeing very much turned off. Uh, okay. Because of that cloud that I was seeing, I was a very spiritually inclined child. And so right at about 15 or 16, I decided that the Catholic Church, which is what my father indoctrined me into, and I was baptized as a Catholic, uh, I decided, ah, oh, this isn't really doing it for me. It was kind of landing flat. So then I went to my friend's Protestant church for a while and explored that, and then the Lutheran church, and then I dated a boy who was Mormon so that I could go to temple and go yep. to that. Was 
And my mom was observing this and decided that when I was 16 years old, that that summer she was going to send me to a Buddhist temple out in the middle of nowhere in Japan. And yeah, so I got to hang out with this amazing Buddhist priest who did yoga and he meditated and he taught me Zen meditation. Okay. And we got to talk about all things spiritual. And then the next summer, she sent me to a Shinto shrine in the middle of nowhere in Japan. So I got to study that practice. When I, I would come home to the US, I would also visit other schools and churches. And then one day I picked up like a little spiritual kind of Wiccan book or something <laughs> like that and became really interested in that and then that led me to find a reiki practitioner here in boulder Uh. and reiki i always call reiki the gateway spiritual drug (laughs) (laughs) i can see that most people find first because it's a a very easy form of spiritual healing and energy work and you don't really have to think very much about it and so she taught me Reiki and then gave me a t- an attunement. And the next day I woke up and all of my abilities that I had when I was a child had come back. And it wasn't like I was trying. As a matter of fact, I didn't even remember having those abilities. Oh, okay. Uh, after it all opened up. And then I had some flashbacks of talking to my grandma and my aunt about dead people or my dead grandfather or um, entities that I would pass along the street. And so right when that happened at 19, I definitely experienced a little bit of cognitive dissonance. I was in engineering school. It was definitely a far out experience that I didn't know how to handle at 19. And so that's when I picked up the phone book and this woman's name popped out of the page, you know, just kind of like 3D effect. I was like, oh, I think I'm supposed to... you know, uh, dating me because this was before the internet phone book, right? And I was looking at psychiatrists. (laughs) (laughs) He opened up to psychic and I didn't even notice that it was on psychic and not psychiatrist. (laughs) (laughs) His name popped up and I called her, her name was Gail. And she said, oh, you're just experiencing a psychic awakening. Come hang out with me and I'll teach you how to manage that skill. Because mostly what you need to learn how to do is own it so that you can turn it down and turn it up depending on the circumstance you're in. And so she took me under her wing and mentored me. And she did study at Berkeley Psychic Institute back in the Ah, 70s. And I became her mentee and observed her during readings and healings. And then at some point she had me participate with her in readings and healings, teaching me some visualization techniques so that I could really own those psychic abilities. Mm, Okay. And then that's where everything took off from there. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Yeah. I I speak to a lot of people. um, There's always that kind of that seeking process. It's like, I've I've had other people similar things where it's like, I'm going to check out this particular church or that church and this thing over here. And then suddenly different type of mentors just appear and then they kind of get, start to get on their path. Um, so it's fascinating to hear that that's common thread and similarities in people's stories. Yeah. Seek and sh- you shall find, right? Yes. Yep. <laughs> I think it actually goes seek and you shall be disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds more accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like that. Um, so you're getting mentored. Um, by her, did you go to BPI um, or were you mainly just kind of training under her? Or I that... trained under her and then okay. I discovered Psychic Horizons here in Boulder oh. okay. and took a few classes and then started teaching there pretty quickly. And that's where uh, I discovered the importance of practice, practicing readings, practicing healings. I was doing that with Gail my mentor, but to see it in a little bit of a educational type format was yeah. very opening. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Um, so I just, I just wanted to back it up a little before, because I always find this part interesting. Um, what's happening in someone's life before they, they find like a school like that and they start taking meditation classes or a psychic training or clairvoyant training, like I know for myself, like sometimes certain things are like falling apart 
and then certain things are starting to fall in place and click. What, what was that like for you, like leading up right to um, learn, going into some of those psychic trainings initially? For me, it was more curiosity and wanting to expand. I definitely did not want to become a psychic teacher. I was an, an engineering student, happily getting great grades as an electrical and computer engineer. <laughs> I was on a great, great career path. There were only two other women at my engineering school, you know, so there's the College of Engineering and then the School of Electrical and Computer Engineering. I was one of two. So I was very much a person that received a lot of job offers and people wanted to hire me to have more females in the workplace to kind of reach their female quota. Sure, sure. And so as a matter of fact, I got an amazing paying job after college, got a sign-on bonus, used that sign-on bonus to buy a 4,000 square foot house. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a whole <laughs> other story. <laughs> got it. <laughs> I was 22 and very overwhelmed by too much house. I could imagine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I worked as an engineer for about six months and then looked around at my life and said, oof, cubicle land. Uh corporate America. I mean, I have financial freedom, but I don't have freedom. Right. And so that's when I quit that job and actually took a job with the most psychic people on the planet. I worked at a Montessori school for toddlers. So a year oh. and a half for three-year-olds uh, Okay. And hung out for two years there. I kind of hid out <laughs> with yeah. Psychic kids, and we talked about fairies and angels and oh, all sorts wow. of stuff, and had amazing experiences with those little children. And they taught me so much about my psychic abilities, way more than any training program could have. And wow. mostly they taught me about ease and being playful and not taking things so seriously. I specifically remember this one day, I used to have really bad migraines. Um, until about 22, 23. And I went into the preschool that day and I had had a migraine the whole weekend, tunnel vision, seeing spots, wanting to throw up and I couldn't find a sub. So I just decided I would go into school and I decided we were gonna do a playground day. We're not gonna be inside. Miss Miwa can't handle inside. I can't deal. I'm just gonna sit on this little tiny toddler bench with my knees up in my chest and I'm gonna meditate. <laughs> clear this migraine gosh yeah. it. <laughs> and this little girl named Ella comes walking up Miss Miwa underdog she's a toddler so that's the best language she had for that oh no Ella, do you see I have this really bad headache here and it's so painful all I can do is sit here I'm just gonna I'm gonna work on this and clear it she walks away and then she comes back underdog I'm like no I can't I can't play with you <laughs> comes back this happens about four times and then finally she looks at me and she goes mommy and head oh. <laughs> and she just went right to my head and cleared it and just like flicked it away and within oh, wow. seconds the tunnel vision was gone my vision cleared up the migraine went away I wasn't queasy and I was like what did you just do? <laughs> oh, wow. And she goes, underdog? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, now you're coming. <laughs> like, okay, fine. <laughs> she just wanted to play. She just wanted to play. And I went, oh, yep. Mm -hmm. wow. You can't move energy. You can't be successful with this work if you're serious and heavy. Right. I don't know if Einstein said this. I think a lot of people attribute it to Einstein, but right, sure. you can't solve the problem you're trying to solve from the same vibration from which it was created oh right yeah and people attribute that to him but I'm not sure if that was really him so. yeah I know there's a lot of quotes that go to him but then we find out later actually it was somebody else and but that, that yeah that sounds very familiar and I think very accurate <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow very much in real-time reality and she just wanted to play and yeah, she just set up that preschool with a whole lot of freedom and permission to just let those kids be them and let whatever their natural abilities were to shine through. There were some kids who were really good at telepathy and ESP and they could 
kind of read my thoughts. Sometimes I would be thinking of my boyfriend and, you know, this boy, Teddy would be like, hi, David. And I'm like, yep, yep. He is in my head right now. <laughs> I'm talking to him. <laughs> and then I, I did have a, a few little ones who actually started a little bit of levitation and like, oh, wow. and it was pragmatic levitation. Like uh, in Montessori school back then, we used glass, even with toddlers, so that they could learn how to take care of their dishes, because in real life, you don't use plastic and, well, not often do, do adults use plastic and just throw their plates around. And so right. the philosophy was to teach these young kids a similar way of working with utensils. Mm. And there is this one uh, young girl who, you know, if uh, another toddler started to drop a cup or drop a plate, she could just like almost magnetize it right to her hand and like, oh, put, wow. yeah. <laughs> wow. That is so awesome. That, like not just hearing you talk about that. I'm like, yeah, that's gotta be like such an amazing experience and opportunity to just kind of just observe all that. And just that, like that being like invaluable, just that uh, what you learned there. Yeah. And those kids just helped me blow my mind and help yeah. me really realized that there is a lot more possible with this work. And then after that, I traveled to the Philippines and studied with the psychic surgeons out there. I went to Brazil a lot of times and studied with, or I didn't study with, but I observed and got some healings with John of God mm. down there, the, the psychic surgeon. And um, I think those experiences of getting your mind blown is huge, but, and I apologize back to the original question. Oh, no, it's your great. <laughs> it really was just a seeking. I was just wanting more as a psychic teacher. I have observed that uh, the reason why a student comes and takes classes at Boulder Psychic Institute is pretty fast. Sometimes it's, I'm in so much pain. I am in a personal maybe even a, an emotional or a spiritual crisis, and I need a new perspective. Mm. As a matter of fact, during COVID, the school, you know, uh, grew by about 100%. I mean, we doubled wow. in size just from March through April of, of 2020, because so many people were looking for better answers than what the traditional social answers were at that time. Right. So oftentimes it's that, but then sometimes I get the person who's like, yeah, I was just walking by and I thought to come up the stairs and, you know, see what you guys were doing. And that's where it's like their little spirit guide or angel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I feel compelled to be up here. <laughs> or sometimes I get the men who, oh yeah, my wife's or my girlfriend's making me come here. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that one yeah. right and then there are a uh, small select group of students similar to me where they've had an opening they're having some severe cognitive dissonance they're having a hard time functioning in life and they need some guidance and right so I, I do see the full gamut mm -hmm. sure that's really cool um you said you're kind of getting a, a big boost kind of during the initial pandemic do you, do you what do you what are your thoughts on that as far as do you feel like that was a a time for people where they could just like pause and kind of turn a little more inwards maybe make instead of um kind of just focus to the outside world and the dramas we're just like pausing and just kind of going like wait a second just seeing their life or self-reflection do you would you agree with that or what is your thoughts about that you know whenever i at that time, I haven't looked at it recently, but during that time when I would step back and just get the meta view of yeah. what was going on with the planet, yeah. about every year, 80 years, the earth would kind of go through a growth period. Uh -huh. And we had World War uh, One, and then the Spanish flu, which led to World War Two, right? Yeah. And so the world kind of goes through these growth periods and there were some more before that too. And, and I just looked at it as a growth period, which is a, a great time of change and reframing and finding a new perspective is an, a psychic term that I use for growth period. And I just saw that the earth was really going through uh, another big change and we're going to continue to ride that change for about five or 10 years to see where we, we land on the other side. Mm -hmm. And it's a way to shake things up. It's a way to change the energy. I mean, the world was changing so fast with technology. 
And yeah. it still is. Oh my goodness. Like, oh yeah. It was like this AI. What? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I can't catch I can't catch up to it. I can't keep up with it at all. Yeah. And to some degree, we needed a bit of a introspective reset. Right. And at the same time, you know, whenever I do look at that vibration of COVID, for those of us who made it and who are still here in the physical form, um it's a great illness to highlight where you have weakness in your body. So if you got COVID and it was all in the lungs, well, when you move past that, do some healings on your lungs or go find a naturopath or whatever you need to do to strengthen your respiratory system. Or some people got hit really hard in the kidneys and I would recommend a kidney cleanse after that. So the positive spin I'm always trying to look for sure yeah gift and everything I do see that as the gift of COVID oh you know you made it and here's your weak spot go work on that right (laughs) (laughs) just let it leave it be um I like that because you're bringing up kind of like seeing the positive um can you maybe talk about that like just the importance of being able to able to see clearly or kind of see some of the positive in people, the world, and also have maybe a little pinch of humor or amusement in that process and maybe what the importance of that is? Yes, absolutely. The world right now is filled with a lot of doom and gloom. And as a matter of fact, the levels of anxiety that I've been observing with my newer students who tend to be in their 20s or 30s it is just every year just growing and growing and growing and growing just that anxiety and dread and fear of the unknown and of the future and not feeling very solid Mm. and the way that I work with the reality that yeah our Mother Earth has not been treated very well, and she may not be able to house us for much longer, or she might. We might come up with some technology to cure that. Um, Life will be very different if that does happen. And the way that I work with that is by staying in present time, in the moment, in the now, And it doesn't mean that I'm in denial of the future, but I'm just right here in the moment, present with you, having a dialogue with you or, you know, hanging out with my dog and and just being in the moment. And when you're in the moment, there's a whole lot of space that starts to open up a lot more room, breathing room, if you will, but also energetic space. And when you're able to have a lot more space and a lot more room, that's definitely when the anxiety will lift, but it also gives you the room to be able to vision uh, a future for yourself where you do have a, a bit more control or a bit more say over where your life is heading. Nice. So I, I do think that it is important to stay even just a little bit positive. Yeah. We're <laughs> in <laughs> so pessimism, I'm really good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> myself a realist you know so I I am actually really good at that and learning how to balance that by just being in present time having a lot of space has really helped me to find that balance of yeah so things aren't great okay and you know here I am things are pretty good at least in my world right now how can I make a difference in my own life my the life of the people around me, my children's lives, how can I do something right now? Even if it's not the biggest impact for the whole world or globally, what can I do? And and that just, that keeps me going. That keeps me in that positive vibe. Yeah. Yeah, I always tell tell my students that, so I get either one of two students and one of the, I either get a student who is kind of like where I started, very pessimistic, and they only see the world as negative, glasses half empty, it's all doom and gloom and thunderbolts and rain. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then I have a lot of students that are in the realm of fantasy and wanting to see the world as rainbows and unicorns and angels and 
all sparkly things. Right. I always tell my students on both ends of the spectrum, if you're wanting to be psychic, to learn how to see the world and to be able to see the world around you with clarity, mm. you have to be willing to see both ends of the spectrum. Mm. So if you're doing the psychic work because you only want to see fa- fairies and angels and unicorns, well, to whatever degree that you are pushing for that is the degree to which that's going to limit you, right? Because if you only are willing to see negative three, let's say scale of zero to negative 10, if you're only willing to see negative three to the bad stuff and you're you're not willing to look any further in that direction, then you'll only be able to see positive three and you'll Uh, never see the rainbows and the unicorns and all the pretty energetic stuff that you can possibly see too. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind sense. of balance that. Right. Yeah. That's, I've, that sounds very familiar. Um, I, I'll run into people where, yeah, it's just the, the rainbows, the unicorns and that stuff, but yeah, not being able to, you know, ground it all or kind of just, you know, Hey, what's, what, what else is there? Uh, being able to have more than just that. Yeah. Being in reality and then just neutral, right here. The world is, you know, the glass is half empty and the glass is half full. And can I see that full range? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the, like, it sounded like early on, you were like, oh, I didn't really have an intention to like teach. Like that wasn't, didn't seem like it was on the radar. When did you know that you're like, oh yeah, I, I do want to teach this stuff. And like, what, what was that? How did that unfold, like your journey as a a psychic teacher? (laughs) (laughs) Working at that preschool, I did at 22 have this brilliant idea. I'm going to start a psychic preschool. And I'm going to, you know, have like a a school where these kids have superpowers, kind of like the (laughs) X-Men. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to come out of nowhere and, you know, and I'm going to like hide these kids away from all the... (laughs) bad, bad adults who would shame their psychic abilities out of them at 22 and young. (laughs) (laughs) So at that preschool I was working at, that's where I was really trying on some of these experiments of creating enough space and permission for the little kids to have their abilities, whichever ones that showed up for them to show up. About two years in, uh, the kids were becoming more and more and more capable. And as they were becoming more and more capable, the parents were becoming more and more and more concerned. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and that's where I learned that without teaching adults and showing them, teaching them about energy about how to give their children space around how to recognize that their child came in with their own life purpose, separate of them as parents. Unless I can teach the parents, none of it will mean anything. Right. The minute that child starts to glow and grow, it's going to get squashed at some point or another. And and that is what happened at that school where it became a little bit of a wake hunt and I kind of backpedaled my way out and just, quit and left <laughs> <laughs> got it where it became a big uh kind of inquiry i i just kind of and that's yeah, where yeah. i uh, took a left turn and decided all right okay life lesson learned i was kind of young and thinking i was a hot shot and was gonna do this cool thing you know and raise psychic kids outside of the world construct of how most people think sure. and i said okay that's very impractical and that's when I started Boulder Psychic Institute. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. With the, in, with the vision, okay, I'm going to teach adults for a while. At some point, they'll start to have kids, and then we'll open a psychic school. And then maybe we'll have an after-school program for junior high and high school kids. And then I thought, oh, yeah, and then a birthing center would be super cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's not forget, you know, hospice and helping people die. So that yeah. is big vision is a psychic community from birth to death yeah I got about 40 more years on me so (laughs) that's awesome I like that a lot um 
going back a little bit, yeah, I could see the the challenges of like uh, their abilities turning on more, growing, evolving with that, and then yeah, the parents going like, "Whoa, what is going on?" And that can yep. easily uh, it can invalidate those abilities, and then that's a whole the cycles all over again. <laughs> yeah, and there there was like a group of three or four parents that started to get really upset by what they were seeing in their children, and I was too young to really have the handle that experience and the knowledge and the communication skills to be able to speak to it and sure. that was what the parents signed up for they were just sending their kids to normal Montessori school you know they right. didn't have consent either yeah. so got it. remember in your 20s you got oh all yeah ideas and then oh yeah <laughs> life teaches you <laughs> yes it's, it still does <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and Again, what was it, what are some of the, I imagine, because like, just like how that experience, just like working with the children, like that's a really powerful experience and learning opportunity. Um, kind of like in the big picture of just from now, like over the past 20 years of teaching and running your school, um, I guess, what are some of the things that you've really taken away or learned to this point where you're like, wow, this is what stands out in your mind that like is really important that you've learned up to this point? either something simple or, or whatever it might be. <laughs> the biggest takeaway that I frequently share with my students is that meditation and energy work is huge. Getting your consciousness into the upper chakras and learning how to work energy is extremely impactful because that is how the world works. The more that you can work the energy, you're working the magic, and that's how you're really going to be able to manifest what you want physically. Mm. And you have to bring your body with you. You <laughs> have to feed it. You have to get rest. You have to get exercise. You, you have to take care of your bodily needs. And I get so many students who come in and they want to become a professional psychic or healer, and they're just sitting in their rooms meditating, hoping to manifest a career, and they're not using their third chakra, they're not doing anything. Right. And I can't tell you how oftentimes students project onto me, oh, Miwa, you know, you just somehow manifested this school in your 20s and you know now aren't you so lucky <laughs> uh, <laughs> right and they like show me you know the psychic vision of you just sit around and eat bonbons all day and <laughs> go up and teach an amazing class from time to time and I'm like mm -hmm. <laughs> right right yeah <laughs> yeah and what I oftentimes have to tell them is, as a matter of fact, I started Boulder Psychic Institute. I started teaching in 2003 on my own. Mm -hmm. And then Boulder Psychic Institute officially became an S corporation in 2005. Mm -hmm. I nannied and tutored and I scrambled, you know, I was scrappy. I ate rice and beans until 2011. And that was when the school was thriving enough to actually give me a paycheck. I did not get a paycheck oh, for, wow. for yeah. eight years. And I fed myself and I housed and clothed myself and through other forms of income so that I could right. really grow and feed my baby. I didn't want to starve my first baby called Boulder Psychic Institute by taking money out of it like every penny I made went back into advertising or a website or you know um, getting me to a conference so that I could do a talk or teach a class or um, in 2008 when I had the opportunity to rent this amazing office space 3,000 square foot right in the heart of Boulder on Pearl Street Walking Mall oh wow or thinking like oh my goodness I can't afford this yeah. <laughs> you're gonna take me out yeah. And my guys are like, it's okay. You'll get an A-frame sign. People are going to walk by. It's going to pay itself in advertising. And I was like, oh. And in my mind, I was think bracing for a good solid year of not getting paid. And I'll tell you, like that leap of faith was amazing. Uh, I got this the building up and running. Before then, I was doing 
classes and other things and renting locations from different uh, buildings and sometimes teaching out of my house, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, but that leap of faith within three months, the school was thriving and packed and full. And as a matter of fact, it was just spinning from maybe almost too much business. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Just from what you're saying there, it's it's like two things that stand out is like, the first one is like, almost kind of like no different than someone that wants to be an artist or just, they have some sort of passion project where you might have to do something else on the side to fuel that dream of yours until it's ready to like fully kind of take over. Um, so there's that part. And then there's the, that moment you said with your guides kind of like, I have to trust my intuition here. And even though there's like some, like, I don't, maybe a little fear or like reservation, but it's like, okay, I'm going to go with my higher intuition and just follow this. And then what happens, you know, following that is awesome. Yeah. So. Like, oh my goodness. I'm signing a lease. <laughs> right. that's amazing yeah Uh, this is where a lot of my psychic students kind of give me a double take especially the young ones when they say oh you know my parents are willing to pay for more education and I want to be a spiritual healer or a psychic and do that for my career and I'll say what do I do where do I go take classes is there another spiritual school that you know of and I'll say um there's CU business school go if your parents are willing to pay for it go take some business classes learn how to do your accounting learn some marketing because you can't nobody will be able to find you if you're just sitting there meditating in your room right yeah you got to put yourself out there and put the work in solid skills to do that, I think would be so advantageous. And I'm still waiting for the young student who's going to take me up on that advice. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's, yeah, that's good advice though. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've been talking about your your school, um, Boulder Psychic Institute. Um, you have a lot of, I've seen your website. Um, you have a lot, you offer a lot, which is awesome. It sounds like you, you said you have even more stuff that you want to do in the future, but can you talk about your, your school and some of your offerings, you know, people that are listening are like, Oh, I want to take a class. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Our very first class starts with self-healing 101 and that's where everyone starts, no matter what uh, types of spiritual classes you've taken. And that will give you a basic skill set for learning how to heal yourself, starting the path of visualization and recognizing the power of visualization, which is not anything new. I mean, athletes visualization, Tiger Woods visualizes the hole in one before he swings that golf club. Right. Right. Yeah. So they start to learn the power of that. Self-Healing 101 is a four-week course, and the first week is free to check out. And then from there, students can move into Healing and Manifesting 102, where they learn some more healing skills. They learn how to clear cords and wax, which are certain types of energy structures that can really deplete your energy. And they also learn some manifestation skills. And then from there, they can move into what I call the enlightenment program, which is the year-long clairvoyant and healing program. Nice. And there's many, many, many more programs out after that. And as a matter of fact, the transmedium program, which is a five-year out-of-body awareness, consciousness training, Mm -hmm. that is my pet program. Ah. I actually engineered, I use my college engineering skills, right? So you don't want to ever throw the baby out with the backwater with your life. I use my college engineering skills to go, okay, here's where I need my students to get if they want to take this transmedium program, which is my favorite program. Ah. So here's what I need them to learn. And so I created the curriculum. I reverse engineered the curriculum so that Ah. really make sure that the students know what I need them to know to be able to take that program. And so I believe that I'm one of the few psychic schools out there that has a very set curriculum. And before students starts, here's the classes you're going to learn in the next year. And here are the topics that I need you to absolutely learn about before you're going to take this next step into the five-year out-of-body awareness program. 
Right. You yeah. said that's kind of your, sounds like you have a lot of affinity for that, uh, that five-year program. Can you maybe just share kind of what, what is it about that program that you, or just transmediumship that you're like, this is awesome. <laughs> what I love about that program is that it really addresses the second half of the game. So our beginner classes and then our intermediate curriculum is all about taking a person who has very likely been socially conditioned to point their finger outward and blame everything outside of themselves for their problems. Right. It's parents' fault. My parents made me do this. They taught me that. My teacher, my pastor did this to me. God is doing it to me. And so everybody's doing pointing the fingers, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that first class all the way through what I call the avatar program is designed to teach a student how to turn the finger inward and go, well, how am I creating this? How am I uh, making this happen? Where can I start to take some self-responsibility? Not in a punishing way, but in a spacious way of acknowledging, hey, if you know, if I can learn how to look within and see how, where my energy or my consciousness or my thoughts or emotions are creating this outside experience that I'm uncomfortable with, that starts to really shift the psyche of a person to, okay, let me, let me look within. And a beginner student will kind of go into the phase of blaming themselves and they might be a little hard on themselves for a while. And I just, just stick with the work. You'll, you'll clear that energy soon enough and soon recognize the freedom of acknowledging how much of a creator you are actually in your own life. You are the creator of your life. Right. And a student who gets to that point, to me, that is just a tremendous turnaround. That's a complete 180. And a person can really take self-responsibility, right? Yeah. The Transmedium program is where we address what I call the second half of the game, which is then going, okay, I've learned how to start to see energy and acknowledge energy and acknowledge that there's more to life than just this physical muggle existence. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's more happening out there than I've been aware of. And this is where students then learn the practice of, okay, well, let me check in, see what I'm doing to create this situation. And then, okay, that didn't seem to change it. Now, now who is doing it to me? <laughs> uh. <laughs> who, who, who is doing it to me, right? Yeah. There's some energy out there that's applying some force, uh, making you experience what you don't want to experience. Is there somebody in your life who's energetically affecting you and you, you haven't really managed that energy? And so it is looking out there and then working your energy to be able to shift that also uh, and so because they're as i frequently say the space around you is not empty contrary to popular belief there is stuff happening around you yeah. and true mastery comes from recognizing that there's a lot going on out there too right, right. And what's happening in here yeah absolutely i agree with that that's why i just love and it's infinite and it's so vast and I could come up with years and years and years of curriculum in that space so yeah and I will and right now I have a very solid teaching team and so I have some amazing staff members that are taking over my curriculum and kind of teaching the middle classes and I've mm. been in the end points the beginner class and then the advanced. Ah, mm -hmm. got it. lately I've been doing some little pop-up classes. I'm actually teaching a class on burnout, a free class on Zoom oh. on Friday at noon for people to check out and find the major cause of their burnout and how to clear it and release it and heal it. And then nice. next month, I'm teaching a four-week workshop for students of all levels around healing from heartbreak and mm setting and releasing from past relationships so that you can create it. And I actually did a fun spiritual dating class a few months ago where I came with 
not just, you know, psychic vision and here's how to do energy work, but some really pragmatic, like here's how to get really methodical about dating. Cause right. I think everybody's just like, just shooting from the hip and <laughs> having a systematic approach at all. And yeah. so I broke it down into like, okay, you got to have a dating intention. You got to know why you're dating. You have to be able to communicate that you have to have your you know, deal breakers. And I, you know, right. like a system here is how you date and get right. to goal efficiently and quickly. If it's, you just want to get laid or if you just <laughs> get married and have kids, it doesn't matter. But right. in that class, I realized that so many people were stuck on the wounds of the past that uh. they even hear this, you know, what I of course thought was very valuable information. Yeah on how to date in a methodical way but they couldn't hear it because they were just still stuck on that past hurt that person who did that or that stain in their heart from what happened or being cheated on or all those things and so right coming up with a new class to teach in June around healing from heartbreak so. yeah do you um just on it because we're on that topic um do you find because uh, I'm I'm married, I'm like I don't I don't even know what I would how I'd feel about being single, kind of just in like modern day now. Because I'm sure it's a different game where there's there's apps and like I, the way we interact or meet each other is very different. Um, do you sense that like commitment is a different thing these days, maybe compared to past till now? Do you, is that something you notice, like a shift in like people's commitment levels, or do you don't think maybe not or like just with the like uh, like even just like like Tinder, just different apps where it's kind of like just meet someone, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, absolutely not. Um, and just meet someone, and then that's that's all it was. And then you know sometimes it becomes like a pattern where it's just nonstop, where there is not no settling down to where they can have a longer commitment, even if it's not even marriage, but just hey, I can have a committed relationship, and that's a different situation than just being with someone for a couple weeks and that's it. Um, do you notice anything with commitment? Like, <laughs> you know, uh, I coming out of college was engaged to this man I met in college and we were engaged for seven years and it was somewhere around 2007 or six where we broke up finally. Cause we just, one day he wanted to get married the next day I would, and we could just never close the deal. And uh. so like, one day I went on a vacation to Peru for three weeks by myself, oh, wow. came back and I was like, did you miss me? He was like, no, I was like, I didn't miss you either. <laughs> well, that worked out. <laughs> Let's break up. Yeah. <laughs> and so we held a big party and all of our friends came and they were so excited to, they thought they were going to hear the news of us setting a wedding date. And we were like, we're breaking up. And it was like, you could hear that. Oh like, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Your party to tell us you're breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. I swear. But then I found myself single and that was right when match.com came out. Okay. And I was so blindsided by that process because when I was just even like seven, eight years before that, you dated to get to know each other and right. you did decide if you wanted to have sex. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden I was finding these people on match.com or just out and about in Boulder going on a date and like first date you're having sex, like you have sex and then decide you want to date. And I was just right. <laughs> mindset. And I felt yeah. like being, you know, carried away in this perfect tidal wave of just, crazy mess yeah and, yeah and I had that thought too like wow nobody wants to commit nobody's really um committed these days especially in Colorado we have more per capita single people than in any other state in the United States and so sure. you're always kind of falling into that oh I'm never gonna find somebody to marry because nobody wants to commit and then I started to look at the energy of commitment hmm. and commitment when you take all of the energy away from it with regards to I'm committed to you or I'm committed to my job mm. the true source of commitment comes from I'm committed to my body uh. the third chakra connection from spirit to body mm -hmm. I connected fully into my body as a soul 
And am I committed to my body? And when you're really committed to your body, you'll take care of it. You'll feed it well. You'll rest well. You're you're committed, and you're you're in your life. Mm. You see people who are really committed. I I know Tony Robbins. Sometimes it's a little annoying, but he's mm. got commitment, and it's because oh. he's committed to his body and his life. Mm. And that's what's so intriguing and so magnetic about him is because he's really spiritually whether he knows it or not he has committed to his body and oh. when you commit to your body then it's easy to commit to all those other things in your life right I mean, right now especially in this day and age with our environmental crisis with the war in ukraine with ai with so many young men uh being told that it's to- toxic to be a man uh. and where you know, the dating apps really only like 10% of the men get dates and the rest just get swiped left. Uh, they're not six foot or they're, they don't have a master's degree. Right. There's a lot of young men who are getting very left behind. What that's creating for us socially with the young people is a lot of people who are not committed to their bodies or their lives because, well, mm. it, the world's going to end right have a world to live in anyway yeah i think the bigger pandemic is we have a lot of young people who are not shown how to commit to their lives and as a matter of fact they're not committing to their lives or their bodies and Mm -hmm. feeling the doom and gloom and that's getting reflected into their relationship or into the career space right a lot of Corporations are having a hard time retaining their employees. Employee retention is right. all-time low right now. Mm-hmm. And that has to do with there's a whole generation that's not committed to their bodies because this is one of the first times ever on the planet where there's a lot of uncertainty about the future, a lot more than ever before. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a challenge to even just be, uh, how do you find acceptance or comfort in times of the unknown or uncertainty when things are changing and transitioning and how do you just kind of like how do I be okay with (laughs) that process and that's 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 difficult but yeah and for me as a parent especially as a psychic teacher I've had a lot of young students come to me and say how could you bring a child into this world why would you Uh, do that they're just gonna be dead by the time they're 20 (laughs) (laughs) there's the pessimistic uh, (laughs) yeah well I I don't know that and these are little souls who obviously want to be born right now knows what their vision for the world is who knows what they'll create maybe one of my kids or one of your kids will be the one to solve the global issues or to solve our political unrest we don't know or or maybe we do blow up and implode and you know um mother earth won't house us anymore (laughs) mother earth will be here way past we will we we won't blow up mother earth we're not that awesome (laughs) (laughs) We won't take her out. She'll take us out before then. Yeah. But if that does happen, man, did I live every day of my life with my kids, having fun, being present, teaching them stuff. And even if we they only make it to 20, they got some life experience and they'll be able to take that over with them to the other side and apply that to future lifetimes on whatever planet where we end up being welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so... <laughs> That's funny that you mentioned that because I was just thinking, I was like, I know this is maybe kind of a weirder spiritual question, but they're kind of talking about like, oh, like, are we going to be able to be here anymore? Can we, can we call this a place, a temporary home anymore? And I'm wondering, you know, with, I wonder if there's other planets or places we can incarnate and similar things have happened where, uh, whatever type of humanity was there got to a point where they weren't able to move past some of the hurdles and then they no longer could make that place a temporary home anymore. It's kind of, that's done and now you're going to move on. Um, Do you see that like with humanity here, like us trying to kind of get past that similar point that may have happened at other places where there's just like this critical moment where on a collective consciousness level, like we need to kind of get past something, um, 
to kind of go, okay, no, we, we can be here and we've moved past that, whatever that thing is. I don't know if that makes sense. That's kind of a... <laughs> well, I, as I'm looking into the future and doing the best I can with divination. And the sure. thing about divination is you can really, it's like the weather. Right, <laughs> You got a 20% chance of rain. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. the thing about the future is that it's not written and right. it's not set in stone. And we are in fact creating the future right now in this very moment. Right. And so I could sneeze differently and my future could be very different than what I thought it was going to be. And so yeah. right now, as I look into the future and kind of forecast the future, I still see that we're going to be able to be here on planet Earth. And I think I said it earlier, life is probably going to be very different. It's going right. to be a very different kind of life than even my grandparents knew. As a matter of fact, my life right now is very different than my grandparents knew. Oh, yeah. And my kids will probably not uh, get to experience certain animals or species because they've gone extinct, whereas I got to when I traveled to Africa, right? Mm. They're, they're gonna, it's going to be a very different world. And there's going to be a, a, a level of us adapting. And I think that's the beautiful thing about humans is we're very adaptable and we can change. And then the ones who can't, you know, uh, kind of drop off and maybe sure. they meet later after they work some energy over there in the spirit realm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't see us at that tipping point yet. But if we did get to that tipping point, I do see that there are... Uh, enough spiritually enlightened and aware humans that could help some of the humans be able to move over there on the spiritual realm after we're not invited back to planet earth if that's what happens yeah. and guide us to uh, another place where we could incarnate I, I do see that that's very possible ah interesting that's cool that's i, I love having these, these are things that I think about, but don't always have a chance to talk about it with other people. So <laughs> what else yeah. is that? these are things that I look at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe, uh, do you think that's like less, uh, um, maybe less effort or less being kind of in the ego and getting more towards kind of what you do at your school and what you teach, like more about spirit or more about intuition or these different abilities that we all naturally have. Do you feel like that there's a kind of a, that trajectory, I guess? The beauty of the work that I'm offering to the world is that a student will learn how to release and clear energy that doesn't belong or work for them anymore. Mm -hmm. And that process of clearing that energy, and if a student can really stick with it and make that their practice where they just do it automatically, like breathing, mm. that will be a student who at that point when it's almost like breathing, they will have acquired a state of being able to clear so much energy and being able to be so present that essentially death doesn't really matter. Uh. Right. I, I, I remember shocking my mom a few years ago, we were on a trip to Quebec in Canada and we were doing a mother daughter trip and she was talking, we were at a church and we were talking about death and she was talking about some of the regrets that she has and how it would be difficult for her when she dies. And she looked at me and said, do you have any regrets? And I said, actually, if I died right now, I would be fine. Mm. And she said, no, that's not, that couldn't be possible. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, well. She hasn't really been doing her energy work. And, right. you know, even with two young children, you know, I do feel like if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, I would be able to move to the other side pretty clean and clear. Mm -hmm. And generally, I, because of that level of freedom, I am kind of always thinking about my legacy and what would happen if I did die tomorrow, who would take over the school, who would take over taking care of my children, you know, all of that is pretty well in place so that I could just kind of slip out pretty easily if that is 
Got right. it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a source of a lot of my joy and freedom. Mm. Because what do they say to truly be able to live? You have to. Oh, like learn to learn to die or. Yeah, you can't be afraid of death to really live. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the students who have stuck around for 10 plus years, those are the students who really start to get to that place. And it was really fun to watch their lives do an even bigger turnaround than those first few years where all of a sudden life is totally different. It's very much day to day, present time. And yet envisioning a future for yourself with kind of a light level of like, yeah, this would be great if it happened. And if it didn't and I got hit by a bus, that'd be great. <laughs> right. So I got, it sounds like a, a non-attachment just kind of okay with, Hey, if that happens, great. Or if it does, it doesn't, then that's fine too. Like, yeah. 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 That non-attachment that Buddha talks about, it's important to not be attached to any of it, not attached to your body, not attached to your car, not attached to your children, not attached to your job, not right. attached to money and not attached to being poor. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's what Buddha would have. <laughs> yeah. Because that's an attachment to poverty, right? Right, sure. Attachment. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting you say that because that's, I think some people, when they learn about non-attachment, then it's like, okay, like, I want to be attached to this physical thing out in the world or whatever it is. But then it's like, oh, your your body or a relationship or this thing or job or career, then it's like, whoa. And then that's like where the challenges start to come of like, okay, can I really not be attached to those things and working on that? <laughs> and it's tough because a lot of neo-spirituality still has a lot of the religious dogma that has just kind of followed it, uh, right? So even Buddhism, which is kind of old, but the way people are working with it now with that non-attachment they're you know not attached to what people do socially or they're not attached to the social constructs but they're attached to their non-social constructs <laughs> ah, okay, <laughs> they're, I see. they're attached to you know the vow of poverty they're, they're still attached so they're not there's still levels of that religion and that dogma that just kind of, it, it, it's Creeping. one of those things that people have a hard time really getting rid of. Another one that I speak to quite frequently is the dogma of hierarchy. Mm. Religion has hierarchy. There's Jesus, there's Buddha, there's, you know, these souls who are better than you and they know more. Right. Than you. So you better bow down to them. <laughs> right. <laughs> then your crown chakra, you know, bow down to your guru. Oh, uh, you know? yeah. And that gets very much translated into neo-spirituality where all of a sudden you have a spiritual teacher that everybody's bowing down to. Or I oftentimes see this where people talk about the other side and there's, you know, good spirits and bad spirits. And there's you know, archangels, not just angels, you know, there's, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yep. <laughs> These angels are better over here. Yeah, there's ascended masters, you know, and that level of hierarchy, in my opinion, my humble opinion does not actually translate over there to the other side. That's not been my experience of the other side. Right. Some of those famous entities, they're like, oh my goodness, would you just stop? Would you, would you stop putting all that pressure on me? <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> Poor Jesus. Come on, man. No. <laughs> yeah. Space. yeah, I could <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be a lot of energy and attention, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. For them. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Just throwing you all that that energy about you're perfect and you know, could never ever make a mistake and you're my savior. Right. It needs a spiritual vacation from all that. <laughs> take his next step if we're going to glom onto him like that. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, Niwa, it's been a pleasure and honor kind of talking with you. Uh, I feel like I could ask many other questions and speak with you for a long time. Um, really yeah. enjoy your energy and just chatting with you. Um, 
but uh, people that are listening are like, wow, I, you know, everything they're finding, maybe some things interesting in our conversation. They're like, I want to take a class or I want to learn more about this energy work or psychic thing or meditation. Um, how do people connect with you and, and your school? The best way to connect with us is to sign up for our newsletter. So if you go to boldpsychicinstitute.org at the bottom of every page, there's a newsletter sign up, something about your our magical newsletter. I don't know. Nice. And sign up for that. That's the best way to get updates. And lately I've been doing some, at least one free pop-up class a month. That's a great way to get to know me even more and what we have to offer in our teaching style here at the school. And the the other way to get to know the school is to go to our website and sign up for that first free self-healing 101 uh, mm -hmm. we're also on instagram and facebook and nice. TikTok, and i've been putting out more and more videos these days cool. as a matter of fact once a month my uh, colleague three and i have been doing some instagram lives we just did one uh, on money ma magic and so uh, nice on the YouTube scene. So all cool. the typical ways of finding people, social media and website. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll find those links and link them or put them in the description below for YouTube and some of the other podcasting platforms, make it easier for people to connect with you. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show and uh, thank you for joining me. Yeah. Thank you. This has been a wonderful conversation. I feel like, you know, we're already pals. How fun is that? Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Language of Spirit show. We'll see you next time. Take care.